When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of In The Pen, part of the Petrolist Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I'm your host, Cal Nelson, joined as always by my friends Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. Guys, how you doing tonight? Uh, doing well, can't complain. Um, you know, it's middle of June baseball, so, uh, you know, a lot, a lot going on. Uh, this is kind of, you know, get, creeping up on the halfway point of the season now. Yeah, I'm also doing pretty well. When does the uh, designation for dog days of the summer start for you guys? Oof. July. Say, yeah, I'm kind of like mid. After the All-Star break? After the All-Star yeah. break is when it really starts kicking in. Yeah, I'd say end yeah. of July. After the trade deadline, maybe, like right around the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. There, I, there's still a lot of excitement in June, and then even leading up early, early days of July before the All Star Game. But after that, I definitely understand. We're just like, all right, we still have almost half a season left. Now, I'm getting a little burnt mm-hmm. out, but that's that's when you gotta grind it out, and uh, that's that's when you win your fantasy leagues. Yeah, I would agree. And while we're here, I'll give Rick some credit. Congratulations, your Red Sox took two out of three from my Yankees. I don't like saying that, but that'll change this weekend. But give you mm. props when I possibly possibly can. That was a for non Yankee Red Sox fans an entertaining series, even though they try and hype it up like they're the, the old Yankees and Red Sox and it's just it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. But on this episode of In the Pen, we're gonna go into some of the latest committees throughout Major League Baseball. We've got about 10, 15 teams about. We'll try and get as many as we can who are still having, while we think it's clear, there's still one or two guys in the wing that there may be more committee as the season progresses. So we want to try and break those teams down, see who's the current favorite guy winning the wing and anyone you should be monitoring. And as always, we'll start off as we do with the latest injuries. And the first one, it's a sad one. Liam Hendricks was placed on the 15-day IL with elbow information just after coming back from from his cancer treatment and all that good stuff, getting his first save against the Yankees, starting to look more and more like the Liam Hendricks we all used to know. So we're back to the same question we had on opening day. Who currently is the favorite for saves in the White Sox, Ronaldo Lopez or Kendall Graven? What's your read now that uh, Hendricks is gone for hopefully a short-term stint, but you never know. Uh, I think it's going to be Graveman. He's been pitching well lately. Um, everything is kind of seems to point to him being the closer for as long as Hendricks is out I still I I know that they said it's it's similar to his Hendricks injury last year which kept him out three weeks I I don't know if it's going to only be a three-week injury so I I think Graveman becomes a a play you probably want to roster right now and you know get the saves over the next three plus weeks so if there's if he does falter at all I know he's gotten a little lucky this year I think, you know, I, Reynaldo Lopez has been pitching a lot better lately. And, it's, you know, that's a guy we were really high on earlier on in the season. Um, he, he's kind of calmed down the, the home run issues. And he's been, you know, 
getting strikeouts while trying to limit walks a little bit. It's, it's still a little the walk rate's still a little high, but I, I think I'll go Graveman as my first option here. And but Ronaldo is this, is a interesting. You know, if you're in a really deep league, want to take a spec spec, you know, shot on on someone like Ronaldo, I I would support that. I also would support that. Obviously, um, I. It looks like Hendricks got the designation of having no structural damage, which I, I think is uh, positive. But like Rick said, there, there's still no timetable. We won't see him until July, but you never know with the elbow injuries like this. But I, I think it's pretty clear that Graveman is the guy. He was the guy before Hendricks came back, too. So that's that's uh, definitely an indicator there. Reynaldo Lopez, though, has tossed 13 straight scoreless innings with 12 walks to six strike. 12 strikeouts to six walks during that time. Um, so the strikeout rate, not really there. The walks still prevalent, but he's keeping runs off the board and that's because nobody can hit him. He's allowed just three hits in that time. So sort of unhittable, which is, which is cool to see, but considering how he pitched for the first couple of months, I would be wary in, I don't know, spending any sort of fab or, or dropping anybody considerable on your team to speculate on saves here. Yeah, I would agree with Kendall Graveman's being a guy. I like the idea of adding Ronaldo Lopez, stashing him probably in a 15-team league or deeper. But you never know. Maybe he takes on over. But it is the White Sox, and they are not off to the best start of the season. So how many saves are actually going to be out in Chicago? Speaking of not-so-great starts, St. Louis Cardinals lose their all-star from last year, Ryan Helsley. He goes on the 15-day IL with forearm strain. We've been talking about this team for the past couple of weeks with the rise of Giovanni Gallegos and the fall of Ryan Helsley. So it seems clear now that Giovanni Gallegos is going to be the guy, right? Yes, but it's not like he really deserves it at the moment because he he's uh, he has not been pitching well. Blew another save last night or it wasn't last night or two nights ago. Um, yeah, it was last night. It was last night, right? Yeah. So uh, the problem is, is there's no other option there i mean jordan hicks has been pitching a little bit better but i i don't think he's anyone that is really so, like that's not, not some not someone they're gonna trust in the ninth inning right now so i think it's gallegos and that's you know they're gonna sink and swim with him and that cardinal seems already struggling right now to find ways to win games the, the last thing they need is to have the bullpen just be melting down like this so um. Yeah, I I still like. To, I think you should be rostering Gallegos. I just, you know, I don't think he's someone you have to. Yeah, I don't think he's someone you need to blow a lot of money on. Um, if if you have a tight fab budget remaining, I, there is a good chance even when Helsley comes back that he keeps the job. And you know, it was already getting more saves than Helsley prior to the injury. So, um. That said, he probably is rostered in most leagues. So, mm-hmm. you know, this really is just for my, those short, you know, smaller leagues where guys like this remain rostered. Yeah, he's just really not been what he has been in years past. He was such a big strikeout guy in the past from 2019 to 2022. He struck out 32% of batters. That's well above average. This year, he's at 24% of batters. And so, not only has that pulled down his results, but that also pulls down his ERA estimators and his underlying numbers. So he's got like a 4.44 FIP right now coming with a 4.26 X FIP. So he's outperforming his ERA estimators with a 405 ERA. Nothing special. I mean, the big thing though, is that like Rick said, the the Cardinals aren't winning games right now. They have a better record only 
above the Royals and the A's right now. So if you were to consider a closer on the A's or the Royals and that closer had a an ERA above four and was striking out less than a batter per inning, is that somebody that you would be considering like dropping a big amount of fab or, or really like being super excited to pick up? I, I would say probably not, but you know, you need to get your saves however you can. So it's definitely a guy that should be owned in the majority of leagues because he is the clear cut guy there. But the Cardinals have just not been that great. Gallegos has fallen off a lot this year. There's nothing that makes me too exciting here to, uh, I don't know, go super wild in, in any sort of fashion. So if the Cardinals were to go in a committee, like you said, we know they had the Gallegos Helsley committee. Jordan Hicks would uh, still be the, I guess, favorite. <laughs> to be in that committee or you think it's just, is there anyone that's worth speculating on uh i think by default i mean in like really in really deep leagues like if you're 16 teamer where it's 16 team roto leagues if you if you're really hurting for saves and you want to take a deep speculative shot on someone I, I think hicks is the guy uh i mean chris stratton's there drew verhagen i mean those guys might mix in too um but yeah, I think I mean it's really this this pitching staff in general is really um not 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 good. So <laughs> it's gonna be tough for them to find ways to win games this way. And yeah, it's you know if you want to take a chance on Hicks because of the past and you know, how he's been pitching lately, I get it. But you know, only in really deep leagues. Yeah, the next couple of guys will rattle through. They're more relevant in terms of holds leagues, but we'll see if uh, our guys think there's any additional uh, things worth mentioning. It. Colin Holderman was placed on the 15-day IL with r- wrist inflammation. Brandon Hughes in the 15-day IL with knee inflammation. Ben Joyce to 15-day IL, which is unfortunate because I'm enjoying watching that hard fastball with ulnar neuritis. And Caleb Teelbar, 15-day IL with an oblique strain. Guys, do any of those, I know they're more fancy valuable for in terms of holds, but does it have any impact in terms of guys you're looking to add or watch in those sorts of leagues? Um, Not really. I mean, yeah, the, those are just, those are, you know, four very interesting holds names and yeah, that really, you know, you hate to see that with Joyce because he wasn't exactly pitching well before he got hurt. But, um, you know, we, we just being able to throw 103 consistently, obviously see the sort of upside he has. Um, Hughes isn't really factoring in much there. Holderman's a big loss for, for Pittsburgh. That's their main setup guy. I don't know where they turn to now in front of David Bednar. Um, maybe Moretta or, uh, yeah, probably him. <laughs> probably him. I mean, the, the, their bullpen's kind of, they already traded away Robert Stevenson. So, um, and then, yeah, Tealbar hasn't been able to stay healthy for much of the year, which is tough to see, but more, more chances for Giovanni Moran in that twins bullpen. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest mover is Moretta. I think he becomes sort of an elite holds option because not only are the Pirates in first place, they've actually been winning some games this year. They're slightly above 500 because that division is pretty bad, but they're in first place nonetheless. And I mean, Moretta has been incredible this year. He's got a sub two ERA. He's striking out 34% of batters, and it's not like that's been in a small sample size. He's done that across 30 innings, which leads that bullpen outside of uh 
Rohanzi Contreras, who is technically mm-hmm. in the bullpen right now, but he started some games this year. So I, I think Dory Moretta is definitely a guy that should be owned in basically every holds league, at least one that are 12 team and deeper. I'm surprised that he, I mean, just going back to how he even got to Pittsburgh, I'm surprised the Reds gave up on him so quickly because he was definitely a hyped up name going into last season. I know he struggled there, but um, yeah, that imagine that one-two punch with him and Alexis Diaz right now. Mm-hmm. I hyped him up. Do you remember he was on my oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Horse closers? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, we can't all be perfect, Jake. We're gonna get a call once in a while wrong. You just got, just gotta accept. I'm always it. right. <laughs> Never been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Argraderall says otherwise. <laughs> on to the Come movers. On, yeah. Hey, listen. I'll I'll admit when I get something. Got a one point eight six ERA. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. <laughs> on to the other transactions in terms of activating from the IL or minors demotions. The first one's actually picking back from Mets pen. He's been one of their more reliable bullpens. Drew Smith is going to be suspended ten games for sticky stuff. That was a very weird one. He didn't even throw a pitch before he was tossed mm. in this game. As a Yankee fan, I can't say I was too. <laughs> upset about that but we still didn't win the game so it really does not matter um does anybody i know the mets bullpen's pretty clear as to the pecking order it's adam Montavino and brooks Raley getting the ball to david robertson does this impact anybody who can maybe put himself in as a holds candidate for the next 10 day games or so for the mets um yeah maybe i don't think it's anything worth chasing for the next 10 games or so i the Mets are another team, obviously, that they're just struggling to find ways to win games, and it's really just been Rayleigh and Ottavino and or Robertson getting most of the holds there. Um, it really does. There is a bit of a draw. I drift Brigham's pitched well, like pretty okay, but I don't think that's worth chasing right now. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think this changes much for fantasy leagues. I just thought it was crazy that he got suspended i didn't re- i didn't even realize he didn't throw a pitch at all that's mm. that's pretty wild for them to go and be like oh your hand's too sticky and it's like okay you could you gotta at least see if his like spin is up or whatever like you know yeah i don't know that's pretty messed up and it's like wh- what designates a time for a pitcher to have the opportunity to go to wash off their hands and right. and not because every other time they've at least had the one chance like even with scherzer when he got thrown out he got to wash his hands two innings before he got thrown out. So I don't know. I They, they need to come up with a, a more strict plan for this, like how they determine what's too sticky and what's not. I know there was a article on the athletic, which I don't have a subscription for that. They had some uh, suggestions for how to go about that, but there definitely needs to be like a more rigid way of determining what is too sticky and not just something that's subjective or however a, a, an umpire's feeling on the given day. Yeah, and you hear all these umpires, their reasoning is, it's the stickiest hands I've ever felt or something like that. <laughs> it's like, always written. more and more the stickiest hand I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. I, and as a Yankee fan, I've been in the middle of us seeing Domingo Herman a suspension and then washing his hands, Clark Schmidt having to wash his hands, Drew Smith now having to get to get tossed immediately. Uh, I feel like there's someone else who I can't remember off the top of my head now who had to go sure wash their hands recently. It was just against the but yeah, Scherzer, of course, he had his incident. But I agree. I think I believe it was Eno Saris who was, yeah. wrote or contributing that article. I haven't read it yet, but I definitely want to look into that. There's got to be some clear indication for that. But you go from something like this to another guy we've been talking about all season. Pete Fairbanks is back. He's active from 15 day IL. We'll get into the Rays bullpen a little bit more in a bit when we get to some of these bullpen committees. But does he take over as closer? 
or is it yeah. Jason Adams' you job? Got the, you got the save got today. The save. All right. Let's go. <laughs> no, I, no, I, um, Pike train's back. <laughs> I mean, they really do seem to... to I mean, the, this is the second time he's come back from an injury, and they've put him right back into the closer role. So mm-hmm. uh, they are being very unraised like in wanting to have, it looks like, actual roles in that bullpen. So... Um, if that's the case, then you know as long, as long as he can find a way to stay on the field and stay healthy, you know Fairbanks is going to be still going to be you're still going to have value. I know it's been a struggle so far if you if you've drafted him or rostered him, but um, yeah, today's a good uh good hopefully a good indicator of what's to come with Fairbanks pitching the ninth and Adam in the eighth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they've been throughout the whole year using just one closer. I mean when they lost uh. Fairbanks all the other times it had been it's been Adam getting all of the save opportunities. I'm trying to pull up who's gotten all the saves for the team, but I can't get the uh get it to filter on not on anything other than advanced stats, so that's fine. Um but I'm pretty sure they've only had like two or three saves by anybody outside of Adam and Fairbanks and Adam's got 11 and Fairbanks has 6 because he's been on the IL more often. But they did just use Adam in the 8th inning in this game today that Fairbanks finished it off. So it does seem like Adam's the number two guy while Fairbanks is going to be the closer throughout the year. And I sort of just have to go off past precedent that has been set just this year and suggest that, yeah, he's going to be the the closer for here on out until he's injured again. Yeah. And I was going to add that part in. If you have Jason Adam in your leagues, don't drop him. As much as we love Pete Fairbanks, we can't guarantee he's going to be around for for the rest of the season unless he gets hurt again. And if that happens, Jason Adams is still very viable. And even as a second command to the team with the most wins in Major League Baseball, that's not exactly a bad guy to have on your rosters. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I would probably at least be holding Adam through the trade deadline, like, you know, just to see. Yeah, if Fairbanks can stay on the field and what the roles are going to end up being, you know, long term. So, yeah, that's a good call. And this one came as a shock to me as we move over to Cleveland. James Karinchak was option to the minors. I know he's been having a little rough stretch, but he has been one more reliable guys in Terry Francona's bullpen. So with him down in the minors, who, how does Cleveland's bullpen currently shake out? Obviously, we know Class A is getting the saves, but do we have a favor in terms of the holds or the guy to get the ball to uh, Class A? Yeah, it looks like, I mean, Trevor Stefan Stefan's going to be the guy I don't, you know, Sam Henchkiss is a guy I like a lot, but he's been very up and down this season since returning from his injury. Uh, Eli Morgan will probably factor in a little bit. Um, and they have, like, you know, their bullpen one through eight's pretty reliable for the most part as far as, you know, bullpens go. They have Nick Sandlin, uh, Enlil De Los Santos. I still, though, you know, their bullpen's going to be fine. I, I want to know, was there anything more about why Karen Chick got sent down? I, I'm i guessing maybe they just want him to like stop walking people because the walk rate's still high. It's always been high for him, though, but he was pitching a lot better. Uh, I just th- th- thought that was a really weird move. And if they're this, I mean, I'm sure a team would take a chance on him in a trade. I, I wonder if they're shopping him or if they would be open to moving him because it's he shouldn't be in AAA, I, I, even with, you know, the, the walk issues. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing I could think of when I was researching this was that it was just sort of 
he was being overused. He at the time of his demotion, he was tied for the major league lead in appearances that was with his teammate Class A and somebody else who I can't remember at the time. Um, so it, it's definitely just a, a situation of load management, is what I'm yeah. thinking. Um, he's already tied the. Uh, he's he's at 27 and two thirds innings for the season, which is pretty high for a guy that hasn't really pitched much more than that a- across the season. I, his high in a season was 2021 with 55. So he's already well past halfway that or just about halfway. Um, so I, I'm not totally sure. Yeah, uh, he's been pitching up much better since that blow up on opening day. And I, I don't think there's any reason for them to demote him unless they're doing some sort of mm. uh sneaky roster management thing but i i'm pretty sure it's just they're just trying to keep him I, from throwing too many innings yeah I, I thought it was going to be a load management thing and maybe he was going to just get like a week off from throwing but then he went and threw an inning in a third yesterday and mm-hmm. i don't know it's just it's just weird but yeah, yeah maybe they're just trying to slowly you know, work back his innings I'm shocked that no team, if you sent down, tried to take a chance on him. I don't remember if he was placed on waivers because of that. I, probably not, but it's one of those things that I immediately have thought. But if he did, I was will be surprised if no one had taken a shot on him. But yeah, they he'll be back have. sooner than later. This is what we're sounding like. And so we'll keep an eye on that. The last couple, again, we'll run through. You guys just give me any fantasy implication, if there's anything. Luis Garcia activated from a 15-day IL. All-star Joe Mantiply was activated from the 15-day IL, which caused Kevin Ginkle to be optioned to the minors. Waskar Brazoban optioned to the minors. And Anthony Bass DFA'd. Anything fantasy viable, anything that uh, causes your eyebrows to be raised from going that? Mm, you know, Garcia hasn't pitched well this year, but he, he was good last season. And, you know, maybe there's some hope there. It's it's just not there right now. Uh, Joe Mantiply is an interesting one because he came back and threw fit like 49 pitches yesterday uh, yesterday or the day before three innings 49 pitches for Joe Mantiply I don't know it was a weird game they blew out I mean it was a fifth they were up 15 to 2 so maybe they're just trying to get him to eat innings but I don't understand having him come off the IL right away and then just throwing him out there for three innings when he's mm-hmm. always been like a an, a one inning guy so that was interesting to see I want uh, and with all the lefties in that bullpen it, I don't know how much maybe he's not going to be a big holds factor, you know, the rest of the season, but that would be a shame after his, you know, all-star season last year. Yeah, I, I'm he could definitely factor in there. I mean, we, we've been thinking about that the whole season, but that bullpen just keeps getting more and more murkier. I, I don't know how to describe it. I was more surprised, though, of Ginkle's optioning to the minors. I, I think this is another one that's big load management. He's already tied his career high in a major league season. He surpassed that across multiple levers and levels in the minors in the past, but he's already at 29 and a third innings, but he had a 2.76 ERA. So he was pitching really well this year. I think this is another load management situation. This is a guy that's been injured quite a few times in the past. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting to see so many guys that we thought coming into the year were locks for bullpens or even performed well to start the year get option to the minors. It's been a weird season on that front. Definitely happens. It was a shocking move. I actually didn't even see that news until we put the show doc together. So um, hopefully he's up sooner or later and can continue to murky this Arizona bullpen. We'll take a quick break and we get back. Let's take a look at our risers and followers from ranks and some guys we're keeping an eye on based on their recent performance. 
Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're going to move over to V3 up, 3 down. As always, guys continue to be shifting around. This is a good week in terms of uh, movement through ranks. we got a couple guys we want to highlight. And we'll start, as always, with you, Rick. Who's your biggest riser in the past week? Um, well, I will go with... Mm, I'll, I'll leave the other two. I'll, I'll go with Emmanuel Classe because I know Jake mentioned him last week. And, yeah, I, I toyed with him being the number one close, closer, putting him back on the top spot. Uh, I just think Felix Batista has been way too dominant right now to, to make that change yet, uh, right now. So, But I moved Classe back up to his velocity's gone back up. Strikeouts are back. I mean has nine strikeouts over five innings in June while allowing just one hit. So we're starting to see, you know, the class A of last year again. And, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing for baseball and for any fantasy managers out there. Yeah. And it's not like he was not good before that. I mean, he, he was definitely getting a bit lucky with, you know, avoiding a bunch of damage on balls in play, but I mean, he still leads the American league in, in saves. And that was, a lot of that damage was done while he was not pitching to his best and to see him now getting all the strikeouts that we've been waiting a long time for. I, I have mm-hmm. a ton of confidence that he's going to be the old Emmanuel class a for the rest of the year. Like you said, great to see he moved all the way up back up to number two in the ranks for Ricks. He's back to BV. He's always been the closer. We expected this in terms of saves, but now that he's got the lights out stuff, I don't know if there's going to be many better than him the rest of the way. So if you, kept the hold on a medical say and didn't fully jump ship in terms of trying to sell on him. I think you're in a, you're a good spot the rest of the way. Jake, move over to you. Let's highlight another mover in the ranks. I'm going to go with an easy one. And that's AJ puck who just returned from the IL. So that, that was part, part of the reasoning that he moved up the list because he was uh, bumping up, bumping off his uh, old teammate there, but he, he's been good since he returned and he's looking like, that injury doesn't have any long lasting ill effects on him. So I have a lot of confidence that he's going to hold on to that role for the rest of the year and that he'll continue to pitch. Well, he's got a two, four, one ERA and a 29% strikeout rate. Uh, uh, That feels pretty safe right now. He's still got to wonder if Tanner Scott can sort of swoop Mm. in there with how well he's been pitching recently. But I, I I think they, uh, they acquired AJ puck for a reason and they've been showing all season that they trust him in the ninth inning. That that twenty nine percent K rate is good too, and like that's fine. But I think it can get even better. I he has a thirty six point five percent CSW, which is sixth best in baseball. And you know, I think there's a little bit more, you know, strikeout potential there due to his swing and miss uh, ability. And 
just also you know a 3.7 percent walk rate to go with that it's uh, he, he really he's he's shaping up to be um you know he he might be in that top top 10 very shortly um but seven saves on the season and i know the marlins are the marlins but they have been playing well so it's kind of i know and he missed two weeks but it's a surprise he's only got seven saves so far Especially considering, I don't know the current status. If at one point they had like a fifteen and two record, something absurd in terms of one run games. So that's plenty of save opportunities for Miami. But they may not if they're going to win games right now, and they're doing it. It's going to be close games. So and that means a lot of good things for AJ Puck. I think he's going to be like you said, great the rest of the way. For me, I'll be a homer. Clay Holmes is a riser in his ranks, and Rick would agree. He's actually the biggest riser in terms of numbers. He moved outside of. Inside the top 20, moved up eight spots, number 19 in Rick's ranks. And this month, he leads the Yankees in saves. He has three. Compared to one, he probably has one, and Michael King has one. He seems to be the guy that Boone is saving for the ninth inning. He's using Wandy Peralta and, Clay, and Michael King now to get the ball to Clay Holmes, except for that outing on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday night against the Mets, where he came in bases loaded and struck out two straight Mets. The stuff looks great again. He looks back to being all-star viable Clay Holmes. He's always going to have those moments where the sinker is not moving as much and he's walking a lot of guys. His whip may not get back to, you know, may not be the elite whip that you want, but saves for a good Yankees Yankees team. The stuff is starting to look electric again like it did that first half of last season. I think it's a lot of good things for Clay Holmes moving forward. So I think he's a big riser. And same thing if you've held on to him and didn't fully panic when he went through his uh, rough stretch, I think you're going to be in a good spot the rest of the way. Yeah. Um- you know, starting to get back on board with him. Um, and I think the Yankees are too. I, they really need him to be, even if it's not the closer, he's just to be that high leverage guy. Like you said, coming in bases loaded situations, getting tough outs. Um, they really need to lean on him in that. Cause I, I think, you know, King is better suited. He's not, he's better suited earlier on in games. Um, and Peralta is a bit of a wild card for me, so I I, I don't know. I mean, you can trust him in certain situations, but I think Holmes is the the best option they have right now. He's been great recently too. Since May sixth, he's tossed nineteen innings. He's allowed just one run during that time while striking out twenty four batters. It's a zero point four seven ERA. Really, really good. And it's not like in the past he was not a strikeout guy, but I, I think he's reached a new level across the past month plus, which is great to see um, for the year. He's at 29%, which is a career high by a, a wide margin, and he's not walking too many more batters to uh, pull that away. Um, so he's got a career high strikeout minus walk ratio right now. So I, I feel pretty confident that, you know, he's looking the best he ever has. And I, I think he's quietly doing so. And the Yankees aren't, the Yankees are still performing well. So he's still going to be getting save opportunities. I would agree with you there, which is a good thing as a Yankee fan. As was always the risers, people are going to have to fall in the ranks. So, Rick, start with you as like we do. Who fell the most in your ranks or do you want to highlight as a, you know, starting to become concerning? Um, I will take, I'll eat, I'll eat this one because I had him as a guy moving up last week, I believe, as Scott Barlow. Um, probably a little bit too aggressive because uh, he, he was on a really good stretch um, up until last week where he allowed three earned runs over his uh, 1.2 innings pitch. So, you know, he has been very, you know, he's one of those closers who when, when they have bad outings, it's like a really bad outing. It's, it's not just a one run on two hits type thing. I feel so 
you know, factor in the inability of the Royals to win any games because Barlow only has three saves since the start of May. Um, and then, you know, you don't know where he's going to end up at the trade deadline as well, uh, which could be a good thing for him. Like we said, talked about last week, or it could be a bad thing. You know, he could go to a team that's already, you know, got some close, so got has a closer. So he could, you know, lose out all value and save only leagues. Um, so yeah, he's moving down and I don't know what it's going to take to, for him to move back up the list. I probably take injuries at this point or some more clarity on where he's going to end up um, pitching the rest of the year. Yeah, he's he's having a really weird year. I mean, his velocity's down, but he's striking out more batters than ever, but he's also walking more batters than ever. And his ERA is at a career high, but his XFIP is at a career low. Um, <laughs> it's just like everything's all over the place. He's got just seven saves for the whole season, despite being the closer for the entirety of the season. It's a, it's a really weird situation. And then there's the whole dark cloud hanging over him that he has a big chance of getting traded at the deadline this year. He still has uh, one more year of control after this one. So this is a good time for the Royals to trade him and maximize that, that I don't, I don't like using the word profit, but that's the only word I can think of right here. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of asset he can be throughout the rest of the year since it's everything's just all over the place for him and you can't really go off past precedent because he's become such a different pitcher here. So it is a weird situation. I think that uncertainty adds into him falling down the ranks. Yeah. I can't really add too much more than that. I've still, if you had to tell me to pick a Royals reliever the rest of the way, who would lead the team in saves at least until the trade deadline, I'll still say Barlow over Chapman, but it's going to be a constant fluctuation for team vets in last place and not many saves. So um, Chap- Chapman's been pitching really well in June again, too. So it's like they kind of flip back to like where they mm-hmm. were at the start of April where we were, we were concerned about Barlow and Chapman was dominating, which means that in July Barlow is going to be good. So I'm <laughs> right? sticking to yeah. see, I'll stick to that, but it's going to be, you know, one extra save. Probably they're both still viable. They're both still rosterable, but Let's not forget that this is the Royals we're talking about. Then it's a, a last place team where there won't be as many save opportunities. Jake, we'll move over to you. Who's a follower for you over the past week? I got to go for uh, my, my rivals, the Dodgers. I'm going to go with Evan Phillips. He's not been terrible this year. He's actually been really good. Two and a half ERA across 24 innings. But there's a lot of concerning things. Mostly the fact that the Dodgers are just not getting any saves. They haven't got a save for a week. I have don't have the ability to see before that because uh, roster resource doesn't go back that far. But it seems like it's been a while since he's got a save. He's got just seven on the season. But I think the most concerning thing about his profile right now is he's giving up a lot of hard contact. So that doesn't really show up in the XFIP numbers and the... uh the FIP numbers and the ERA, his XFIP's 2.95, but his XERA is 4.17. So that sort of is indicative of the fact that he's given up a lot more hard contact despite not really falling super far in the strikeout or walk numbers uh, in general. But and he's still really good in PLV and everything. But as we mentioned before, there's also Bruce Dargratter all sticking around there, sub two ERA. While he hasn't really figured out the strikeouts yet, he's been really great this year. So not only does he have competition, but he's not getting saves and he sort of has that uh, just a little bit of scariness surrounding his batted ball metrics. Let's yeah. not forget all. Oh, good. I was, well, yeah, I mean, the, the batted ball metrics aside, just like the Dodgers have only had three saves since Phillips. Phillips' last save came on May 12th. 
The Dodgers have three saves since then. Two went to Caleb Ferguson and one went to Bruce Gratterall. Um, that's May 12th. So that's over a month since, since wow. you know, his last save. And he, he does have four holds since his last save. So, yeah, I, it's it's just the, the the way he's being, his usage is weird. And, you know, Daniel Hudson's going to be back by the end of the month. So there's another name that I, I think um, we could see closing out games for them, you know, go heading into July. And that was what I was going to add. Was let's not forget about Daniel Hudson being back uh, at some point in that pen. So he'll be mixing in. And as usual, it's the Dodgers. They need saves. They need something back in the bullpen. They won't hesitate to pull the trigger and make a move to trade deadline. It wouldn't shock me if they are a team that you know tries to get a an Aroldis Chapman or somebody to add to that bullpen. May not that exactly, but someone for the mold to add Please, that Aroldis back Chapman. in the pen. Please, that would Listen, be so I'm easy for, for me to I, hate him. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a, another Aroldis Chapman blow up in a, a big postseason game like he had for the Yankees. And our final faller, someone we talked a lot about at the beginning of the show, but it's Jason Adam. The return of Pete Fairbanks, he's going to fall down the ranks. We already saw, as we're recording this, Pete Fairbanks get the first save opportunity when both of them are back in the roster. So no matter what, he's going to be, even if he's just mixing in, splitting the saves, it doesn't make him as viable for saves leagues now of course saves plus holds and ratios he's still rosterable but if you're relying on him for saves you may want to look elsewhere find someone to mix in with him at this point anything else you want to add on that or we pretty much covered uh, a lot of jason Adam at the beginning of the show i mean yeah he's been pitching well he's not as he hasn't been as dominant as he was last year but he's been pitching well for the most part uh walk rate still above 10 percent, which i you know, I don't love to see that, but it's not, it's 10.2%. So it's, it's, uh, it's not a huge concern and, you know, a little bit of a hard contact issue. It's kind of been his issue in his career. Um, but he's still, yeah, he's one of the better, if he's not the closer, he's one of the better non closer relievers. So definitely I would hold on to him for a while, see how things play out there. And, you know, unless you're in like an eight or 10 team league, I, I think he's someone to roster through the trade trade deadline at least yeah you guys covered it perfect we'll take another break and we get back we'll start looking at those uh committees trying to get in some of those uh mix and match teams that have had guys that going forward we cover a couple of them but we want to look more into some of the uh, latest trends in terms of those pens so all that more on vipsopo of in the pen all right, let's talk about some of the more interesting committees at this point. The teams that have been doing the mix and match approach and the well, committee approach to their bullpens and back end. We want to try and predict uh, how things are going to look the rest of the season. And as we talk about Tampa, we talk about St. Louis, so not too much more to add there. But I guess since we're talking about this, we'll start with St. Louis, and it'll be a very quick, just one word or one guess. Who will lead the team the rest of the way in saves? Would it be Gallegos or will Husley come back and get that job right back? I think Gallegos. I'm almost tempted to say Jordan Hicks because Gallegos is, I think he's about one or two blown saves away from, I I think they would have to make some sort of change there. And I don't know who else they would go to other than Hicks, but I think Gallegos is the safe bet there. And, you know, I, he's still missing bats at a pretty good rate, and he doesn't walk people. So i I do have I do have you know some optimism for him moving forward. But um, it's been a rough couple weeks for him. 
Yeah, it also go Gallegos. He's got that leg up on Helsley already with him being on the yeah. IL. So he'll get a, a two to three week head start depending on when Helsley returns. And then if you go on the usage for the first couple of months of the season, then they'll just be splitting saves the rest of the way. So mm-hmm. I, I think uh, it's going to be Gallegos leading the team in saves for the rest of the year. We talked about the Dodgers just last segment as well. If the split between Hudson and Phillips and Gratterall and Ferguson, any favorite in that pen moving forward? This is uh, now we're starting to get to some of the tough ones. Um, I don't think it's Phillips. I, I mean, I, I've been saying Hudson for a while. I, I think. With I don't think trying and I don't think any of the other veterans are going to be back until August at the earliest. So I think Hudson's going to have a chance to kind of take over this role as long as he can stay healthy. And you know they said he's going. Dave Roberts said he'll be back by the end of June. So we're we're kind of creeping up on that now that we're halfway through June. So unless Phillips can pull off about like four saves in the next week, I, I think Hudson might get a get a legitimate chance to take that role. I think it's fair to consider Hudson, but. If I have to think about it, I feel like he's going to need some time to uh, mm. get used to pitching in the majors again. It's been a while since we saw him. You know, He missed the whole first two and a half to three months of the season by the time he returns. I don't think they'll plug him right into the closer role, and so that could be another few weeks. I, I'm just going to stick with the guy that I've stuck with throughout the whole year, and that's Bruce Dark Ratterall. He's gotten three saves this year, but he does lead the team in ERA. He's been doing Bruce Dark Ratterall stuff all year, and you know that that's the guy I believe in the most in this bullpen in terms of grabbing saves for the rest of the year. I'll go with Hudson if I had to predict. I think they like Gratterall in the higher leverage sort of situation. Um, I, I'm expecting Hudson to come back and they'll likely put him in that back end mix. Again, though, it wouldn't shock me if they make some sort of trade for a back end reliever that kind of jumps all of those guys. But, you know, as we've been saying all season, the Dodgers are going to be that mix that's a lot more messy than we're used to with the Dodgers. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. Let's bring in a new team that we haven't talked about at all this episode, and one that we've talked about throughout the season in the mix, and that's Chicago Cubs. They've been going back and forth and mixing and matching, and we had Fulmer excitement, then we had Estrada excitement when he came up. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't fully know where that's going to go, so what's your read with the Cubs for the rest of the season? It was Mark Leiter excitement, and now I think I've moved on to Adbear Alzale excitement, so I want some... Or I had Julian Merriweather was a guy I was pretty high on too um yeah he's actually pitched better lately but um i I think it's alzale right now is the favorite for saves i think lighter is still in the mix but he has been pitching he has not been he has not been pitching well lately um so it looks like alzale has the the edge over him for the time being but that's uh definitely not a sure thing but if i'm taking a chance on one of these two guys it's it's alzale right now I agree. I've been I've been taking chances on Alzale the whole year. I've been uh, holding on to him for quite a while. And you're right about uh, Leiter Jr. sort of slowing down across the recent weeks. I think across his last 10 and two-thirds innings, he's allowed seven earned runs, which is not great. He's still striking out a lot of guys, but a near six ERA is not ideal. <laughs> a 5.91 ERA comes with a 1.79 XFIP during that time. So it's definitely a bit unlucky, uh, mostly home runs and stuff. But yeah, I, I, there, there's still that whole reverse splits thing, too. And they do have a lefty still there with Brandon Hughes going on the aisle. They called up Anthony Kay, 
Uh, I don't know how much faith they have in him. We haven't seen a lot of him in the majors in recent seasons, but I, I've been sticking with Alzelay throughout the year. I, I just love what he brings to the table. But I mean, you mentioned Merriweather and he's been really sneaky. I mean, mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, you said recently since April 17th, he's got a 1.19 ERA and he struck out 34 batters in 22 innings. It's 13 batters per nine innings. I mean, those are some pretty elite numbers and they don't come with a boatload of walks just tender in that time yeah. so i mean that that's that's pretty sneaky 1.19 era across 22 innings is pretty legit so uh i mean we we've seen the hype that he can inspire in fantasy managers in the past i mean i i feel like it could just take him getting one save and then the fab numbers are going up towards the hundreds let's sweep the albert azalei excitement i think he's uh he had the prospect pedigree at some point and they do I've been impressed with what I've seen from him. I think he'll take the rest away. Sure, the Cubs maybe could also be movers to the deadline. They've been kind of hovering, hovering around all season, but I think they like what they've seen from Alzelay. So I think he's the, uh, the guy I would trust the most right now for that pen. Over to another team that we've talked about throughout the season. That's the Philadelphia Phillies. At least the four-person committee we we're thinking it might be at the end of the season has moved down to a more, much more reasonable two-person committee with Craig Kimbrell and Jose Alvarado likely getting the majority of the save opportunities moving forward. Do you guys have a favorite the rest of the way out in Philadelphia? I I think it's going to be Kimbrell getting the most saves, but I uh, I, I still like Alvarado. I think he should still be rostered in pretty much every every league um you know they might mix and match they might just uh, alternate saves kind of like they have this week but i, I still think kimbrel's 1a to, to alvarado's 1b um but there's still a lot of value from alvarado and strikeouts and he's not gonna you know blow up your ratios as well so i think roster both of them right now and just yeah see how things play out yeah i I'm inclined to go with Kimbrel just because we know his history of like being the guy that's so much better as a closer than as a setup man. But I don't know. I just, I just have this feeling that <laughs> you got to trust the the stuff and you got to go with the guy that, that mm. is the better pitcher. And so I'm going to go with Alvarado here. He's just been so incredibly good this season. I mean, the walks have sort of come back a little, I don't want to say they've come back a lot. Like he's walking too many guys, but he has walked four batters since returning. Um, and bef- prior to his injury, he had walked zero batters. So that's sort of a, a big development there. Cause that was sort of the huge thing that was making everybody lose their minds about Alvarado was that, oh my gosh, this guy that used to have zero control is now walking absolutely nobody. So that'll be something to watch, but considering how dominant he's been considering how dominant he looked in his save last night where he was pumping one Oh one consistently, uh-huh. I have to, I have to go with the guy with the better stuff. I'm going to take Kimbrel the rest of the way. I, I liked him over Sarah Dominguez at the beginning of the season. Like Rick said, they're both rosterable. It's the same thing we talked about with Adam and Fairbanks. You want them both, they'll be splitting it. But just because Kimbrel is that right, he's got the veteran presence, he got the his 300 save, his stuff has still looked good this season. It's not Alvarado stuff, don't get me mm. wrong. Alvarado's been the better pitcher, but they just seem to like Kimbrel. We've seen him, he's just better off in the ninth inning. So I think they'll use Alvarado more as the higher leverage guy to get the ball to Kimbrel rather than the other way around. So they're both very good. They both deserve to be on your rosters. But if we're talking just for saves the rest of the way, I'm going to slightly lean Craig Kimbrel. Yeah, I, I think Kim, Kimbrel 
the interesting i was actually before we started this podcast i watched his save today and he did have three pitching pitch clock violations which um Oof. not yeah not ideal he's still kind of you know taking it forever to to get the ball to home plate but yeah the probably not not anything that you know we should be concerned about really with him Next team will stay out in the East, and there may not be as much talk about with them, but they were a team that had that committee at the beginning of the season, and that is the New York Mets. We've seen David Robertson start to be used a little bit more in the, you know, for a possible two-inning, multi-inning save, you know, higher leverage. He's still the favorite for the Mets the rest of the way, right? Yes, I think so. Um, I do think, unless this Mets team really falls apart, and then they might trade him, but I, I think there is a chance, or a really good chance, that they're, they're going to add someone to this bullpen. I don't know if it's going to be someone to take over that role um, permanently, or if, you know, like we kind of have talked about in the past, where it looks like Buckshaw Alter's kind of adapted to, to modern baseball, where he, he wants his closer to just be a high leverage guy who's pitching either the eighth or ninth, depending on what part of the order is up. So, um, but that being said, that doesn't mean that Robertson's definitely going to get more saves than like Ottavino or Rayleigh. Even it's 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 likely, but it, it's just it's still frustrating if you're from a fantasy aspect because you don't you know you you have no control over who's what the batting order looks like in the ninth inning of the the Mets game you know today. So it's it's going to be frustrating, but I, I still think Robertson's the safer guy to, to roster just because he's the better pitcher um, by a good 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 amount you know mm-hmm. stats wise and stuff wise yeah rick's yes was a bit hesitant so i'll go yes. with a, a more definitive definitely he's just been no doubt the best reliever in that bullpen 33 percent strikeout rate sub two era by far the best in that bullpen in, in both regards and i think if they do acquire somebody to strengthen that bullpen i think it's going to be a setup guy because not only do they already have a guy that's a good closer not only do they not have a ton of prospect capital to trade for a really good guy that a really good closer that could trump robertson's abilities but we're expecting edwin diaz to make an early return sometimes in sometime Mm. in september so i wouldn't expect them to get a guy that's going to be the closer that then needs to switch roles after switching teams that edwin diaz is definitely going to be the closer when he comes back. So I, I think they'll go with more of like a, a middle tier guy, a, a guy that can slot in in between Ottavino and Rayleigh or, or in that, in that regard that will help strengthen the depth of the bullpen, but won't be like the clear cut closer. So I'm going Robertson the rest of the year. I would like to say Edwin Diaz, but I just don't think he's going to have enough time to rack up that many saves. Even if he does like 10 saves in September, I think uh, Robertson's still going to have the leg up though. It has been two and a half months and he's only got 10 saves. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's with how bad the Mets have been playing lately. It's at least a discussion. I'm tending to agree with you that the, if they make a trade, it's going to be for a setup guy. Because let's look at the guys we were all linking to him at the beginning of the season. David Bednar. The Pirates are first place team. I don't know if I'm really rushing to trade David Bednar at this point. Alexis Diaz. The Reds are fun. They're calling up their guys. I Again, I don't think mm. they're rushing to be sellers at this point anymore. Maybe they're not going to be buyers, but I don't think they're immediately just going to be trading Lexus Diaz. So maybe they're linked to one of the Royals guys, but even if they come in, that doesn't automatically put them ahead of David Robertson. So yeah, I'll agree with David Robertson at this point. The only hesitation for me would be that they make a move, but I'm kind of more on Jake's side now at this point that I don't know if they're going to be acquiring that electric ninth inning guy that we were kind of linking them to at the beginning uh- of the season. 
I'm just picturing Araldus Chapman closing out games for the Mets, and I just feel I feel so bad for <laughs> Mets fans already. But that would just be that would put it over the top. I, um, yeah, that I don't. You're probably right. They're probably not going to get a big name. I mean, I don't even. Yeah, is Barlow going to take over David Robertson's job? I that's probably debatable. Um, but yeah, over the past month, the Mets have six saves total, and Robertson has three of them, and. Rarely, Ottavino and Smith have one apiece, so it's it's definitely Robertson who who you want to roster. On to the never-ending bullpen of the Arizona Diamondbacks. We wrote this guy off at the beginning of the season, but Scott McGuff's been the best bullpen pitcher in that pen of late. How long is that going to last? I really don't know, but <laughs> do we see a trend here that it's you know it's something he can keep up? Is it going to be the continuing revolving door of the? Diamondbacks bullpen, please help me make sense of this. I am. Um, I've done a 180 on Scott McGow over the past the past month or so. I, I'm I'm back in on him. I, you know, Miguel Castro's flaws are starting to uh, sneak through. You know, come come to, sh- to come to light. I, I think he was getting a little bit lucky on his little on his run. He had a, he had a good run as the closer. It looked like he was starting to pull away as the closer, but um. You know, Chafin's still kind of work lurking around. He's hasn't, you know, just there hasn't been consistency from him. That's, you know, I, I still think he's the best overall reliever from a talent standpoint, just based on his swing and miss ability. Um, but I think McGow, McGow, he, uh, McGuff, or however McGuff, he, McGuff yes. Um, I think he makes the most sense for them when you look at it, like this bullpen from a bigger standpoint and. I think you know you have two, you have three lefties now, who you can mix and match, and early on in the game or later in the game, and Chafin, Mantiply, and Nelson, and then you know Castro really is he's a slider only guy. I mean his fastball is not not a great pitch. It, it's got a good velocity, but it gets the pitch gets hammered. Um, I think McGow's got a good a nice three pitch mix to get you know lefties and righties out, and it doesn't really matter. The the splitter is kind of his bread and butter off-speed offering and it's definitely been working better this past month so i i think he's you know i'm leaning towards him as the favorite for saves it's it's just it's similar to the cubs where it's we still don't have an answer really but uh if i if i'm reading the tea leaves and just want to take a stab at it i'm gonna say mcguff I'm going to agree. He's been really good recently across his last 16 and two thirds innings. He's not given up an unearned run or an earned run. He's given up two unearned runs, but zero earned runs across 16 and two thirds innings with 24 strikeouts during that time. And it's not just, I mean, that's across the past month. Even if you go back to like just after he finished blowing up in the first couple of weeks of the season, when he gave up like five earned runs across his pat across his first uh, seven or so appearances since April 18th, he's given up just six earned runs in 30 innings. That's a 1.76 ERA, striking out well well over a batter per inning. That's a really long time to have an ERA under two like that. And I think if we saw those numbers for his full season line, I think we would have a different opinion on him. And even Mm. still, he's got a 280 ERA and he's striking out 30% of batters. That's really good. I, I think it just took him a little bit to get used to the MLB ball and and used to mm-hmm. pitching back in the states again and I mean that's a big thing especially for guys coming over from NPB is 
especially a guy like uh, splitter McGuff, baller who, splitter exactly. guys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. So th- that's like a really big feel pitch. I know the ball there's I'm pretty sure it's like even a little smaller there too. Um, mm-hmm. So splitters are affected really dramatically. So mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear that he's finally gotten a feel for that pitch. And now it's all up to Tori Lavulo, just using him as the closer. We've seen that happen recently. He got one save and I think they used him at the end of the last, uh, the end of the game last night that he got unlucky to get the L there, but with Castro sort of struggling and, and Chafin having been the high leverage guy for at least a couple of months or so, I think it's pretty clear that McGuff's going to be the guy for the rest of the year. And the if, Diamondbacks are so good. They are. They've been same thing with one of those just fun teams. Corbin Carroll's awesome. Not really related, but he's going to be a absolute superstar. He's been so much fun to watch. But yeah, if McGuff's still out in your leagues, if people are not weren't buying into him, I think now's the time to get right in. You talked about it. The last eighteen innings it was cited in the uh, Rick's closing time article. 34.3% K percentage, 2.75 XFIP, 2.75 Sierra, CSW better than almost everyone but Chafin, swinging strike weight a little worse than Chafin, but ERA, whip, the only thing he hasn't been better for the team is, team is a saves at this point, but I think that's going to change, and he's the guy you want in the Arizona pen, but let's keep an eye on them. They're also, like you said, been really good. Maybe they make another move to bolster that pen. I know it's already got a lot of names in it, but maybe they try and get that uh, high-end, back-end guy to mix in. It wouldn't fully mm. shock me at this rate, but as of right now, McGuff's the guy who you you want and uh, has been pitching much better than Castro, and Chafin is the high-leverage guy. The last two teams that we want to cover, at least at this point, are two teams that really... are Two saves really matter, but it's at least worth mentioning. The Colorado Rockies... Is anybody interesting there? Do you have a favorite for the Rockies, even though they're another team that saves going to be few and far in between? Uh, I've tried to find. I still kind of like Justin Lawrence, but not enough to sit to recommend him. Um, you know, Jake Bird was someone who I also kind of at one point was like, oh, this might be interesting. There might be something here. Um, but again, not. You know, we've definitely moved past Pierce Johnson. Um, I'm, you know, is Brad Hand gonna make a make a run, make a like a a, take a stab at this closer role? Is is he gonna be? Is he gonna be an option? I, I, I don't know. After I I mean, after Lawrence and Bird, it's really not a lot of um, not a lot to be interested in here. Yeah, I usually like to steer clear of this bullpen, yeah. especially with the way that the Rockies organization is run in general. They're they're usually not the best at putting their guys in in winning situations. But I've always had a soft spot for Lawrence ever since I saw him pitch for the first time. He's just got a super funky delivery, and his stuff is really good. His slider, which he throws over fifty percent of the time, has an eighty ninth percentile PLV. So that's it's a really good slider. He doesn't get a ton of swinging strikes with it, but I mean that'll happen when you're pitching in cores and stuff. I would, I would be super interested in if you, if he was on basically any other team, yeah. but with the way that the, the Rockies are run and, and pitching in cores, it's pretty difficult to trust anybody there, no matter how good they are. But I, if you're going to lean in anybody right now, I think it would be him. I mean, you mentioned Brad hand and he's striking out the most batters in that bullpen, but he doesn't have a save yet this year. I mean, who knows? He could become the closer and then absolutely blow up. I mean, Pierce Johnson is still getting saved somehow. He got a save the other day, and he's got an ERA just under seven. 
I don't know. Daniel Bard's got an ERA under one, and I would not be surprised if they just like turn to him at some point, but they seem to be reticent to do that because of the yips that he acquired earlier in the season. So if you're super desperate for saves, I would say Justin Lawrence. I think he's the the guy that's going to have the best abilities here because he gets a lot of ground balls in course, but I would usually steer, steer clear of this team. I mean, they're not the best of teams either. They're not providing a lot of save opportunities either. Sure. Sure. Justin Lawrence. We'll go <laughs> of him. Um, it's good enough. One. It's going to be dropping at a, changing at the drop of the hat. So just monitor it. If you're desperate, you can throw up, but I'll agree with Jake. I'm not rushing to get any Colorado Rockies relievers, and I'm not rushing to get any Oakland Athletics relievers because <laughs> who the heck knows? Can we make sense of this pen? Or, I mean, Trevor Mays looked good since he came back. Is he a favorite? Maybe. It's crazy. It's crazy looking at because they've been on a little bit of a winning streak. Right yeah, now? yeah. So <laughs> they've had five five yep. saves in the past week. Uh, two to Trevor May. Now is two, that more than they've had all season? It it might be. Um, <laughs> but two two went to Trevor May. Two went to Sam Long on back to back days, and then that one. Uh, Ken Waldachuk save that I think he pitched the final three innings of the game, but it was a, it wasn't like a three inning save. It was a one run game. So, um, yeah, I, I don't is long and I don't, I don't know. You're the a, the resident A's uh, fan here, Jake. Is is a is Trevor May back? B if he's not, who's who's an interesting name here? Uh, I can't say that Trevor May is back. I think he's going to be the guy throughout the year just because he has the track record and he's sort of the only guy in this bullpen that anybody is aware of. Uh, he he hasn't been terrible since returning. Um, he returned on the 23rd and in that time he's got a 3.48 ERA, but it comes with a 6.40 XFIP because he's struck out just seven batters in 10 innings and walked six batters during that time. So there's still a bit of control issues there, but I think he's going to be the guy that they turn to the rest of the year. However, the rest of that bullpen is is terrible. Sam Long is not a guy that's really anything. He was a giant before mm. being on the A's too, so pretty familiar with him. He's more of like a swingman type. He strikes out nobody this year. He's at 19% and last year he was 18% with the Giants. So he's he's not a I don't think he's like a dominant guy that you're going to see at the end of games quite often. I just don't think they have a ton of guys that you can trust. One guy that's sort of interesting and not really because of his pitching is Lucas Ursedge. Or I don't know how to pronounce that. I should probably look that one up. Um, he was a, a position player prospect before he transferred to being a relief pitcher. And that was like a couple of years ago. He's uh, yeah. 28 years old now. It's uh, Ursedge. Yeah. The velo sticks out for, for him. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's just one of those that's pretty interesting. But yeah, you're right. Ninety-seven and a half miles per hour yeah. on average with the fastball, and he's been pretty solid thus far. I, I I think he's just sort of a a mediocre reliever, which is basically what you can say about the rest of this bullpen. I would love to see Shintaro Fujinami be the guy to, I don't know, figure out or his something. control and, yeah. and and be dominant. Yeah, because he's definitely he's clearly got the best stuff in this bullpen. He just has mm. no control over it. So I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. I mean. I, I think this win streak is sort of fluky as well. I don't think we would have been considering Trevor think? May at any point in the past. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I wouldn't be going super crazy about this, but I, I think Trevor May is going to be the guy that they turn to throughout the year, but there's lots of concerns with the strikeout and walk numbers, and I don't think the A's are going to be winning many more games. I think the over-under right now is still under 60. So You don't think the uh, reverse boycott's going to jumpstart this team to, uh, to a playoff contender? Anything like that? That would be... 
I mean, that would be something to behold. I mean, could could they kick them out of Oakland if they if they go mm-hmm. on like a twenty game winning streak? I mean, let's face it, that was just an average turnout for an OB game. So why is that? Did you see those comments? <laughs> Come on, man, by, it was a, man yeah, friend? I did. Yeah. I, it was making me so upset. It was a Tuesday for a team that has the worst record in baseball. What do you mean? Yeah, no, maybe you should be excited that they're putting fans in the that was that was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed watching. I was actually looking forward to sick. seeing how great the turnout was and it. It was electric. It was electric. I had a lot of fun with that. So let's hope it continues. Let's also not forget that Trevor May likely won't be a a member of the athletics in the next month or so yeah. he'll likely be on the move to trade deadline and be a uh, um, you know a middle relief setup guy for some contending team which will be fun to see i would like to see shintaro fujinami as well just for stuff wise so you know, i guess circle him put him on the watch list but again it's oakland probably a month from now they'll be back to getting you know five saves a month let alone in a in a week so um we'll see how that goes the rest of the way so if you have any further questions about these bullpens or anything else, as always, find, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the Discord community. Join PL+. Plus. We'll be here to answer them throughout the season. But those are just some names to monitor and some of the more confusing pens at this point in the season. I'm sure in a week from now, we'll have completely different answers, as we always do. But let's wrap up. We missed it last week. And let's wrap up this episode with another edition of Who's That Closer? Jake, take it away. All right. Yeah, we got a new one this week. Uh, I'll just dive right into it. We'll hold off on the answers until the end to give the listeners an opportunity to um, do it, play play along. But uh, if you want to shout out that you know who it is, feel free to do so. Uh, let's get into it. This closer played from 2003 to 2014. He was drafted three times, first by the White Sox in the third round of the 95 draft out of a high school in Michigan, then by the Twins in the 17th round of the 98 draft out of the University of Michigan, and then finally by the Mariners in the 6th round of the 1999 draft out of Michigan. He is a right-handed pitcher. He debuted in 2003 for the Mariners, but he didn't become their full-time closer until 2006. That year, he had a 2-3-0 ERA with 36 saves and a career-high 104 strikeouts. And his best season came the following year in 2007, where he had a 1-3-8 ERA, a 0.70 whip, and 40 saves. And then he was traded to the Mets two years later prior to the 2009 season in a massive three-team deal that involved the Indians as well. He had a 5.22 ERA in his one year with the Mets. So it was a uh, pretty disappointing. So they declined his option in the offseason. Then he signed with the White Sox for one year hmm. into the, for 2010. But after a, a pretty solid season there, he wrapped up his career with four years in Arizona. And in the first two years there in with the Diamondbacks across 2011 and 2012, he racked up a combined 77 saves. His black ink is just one stat. He led the majors in games finished with 65 in 2007. And that, that was that year that I mentioned as his best season. He also was an all-star that year. He won the American league raw age relief man of the year award. And he finished 13th in AL MVP award voting. And for his career, this right-handed reliever had a 13.1 baseball reference war with a 3.08 ERA, a 1.15 whip and 189 saves, which is 58th on the all-time saves leaderboard. I think I have an idea. Like a, let's hear it. JJ puts. Yep, yep. Good job. 
I remember oh. the, the trade was the thing that gave it away for me because I remember him going to New York and just, yeah, that not working out. I, I didn't all. think about that. Once I saw the Arizona is when it kind of kicked in. I was like, wait, yeah, Mariners. Yeah, I feel it. like I remember his Arizona days. I completely just blacked out the uh, New York <laughs> Met time in my life. I'm like, that's when I stood there. I'm like, what's he ever met? But yeah, once we started putting mm-hmm. piece together, I was like, oh, you know what? Sounds, sounds about right. I like surprisingly remember him as a Met and I have this mm-hmm. false memory that he was really good for them. And I know exactly why it's because MLB, the show 2009 was the first edition of the show that I got. I had it on uh, PSP and I played mm-hmm. it so much. I mean, I, I, I still played it until my PSP battery like exploded. Um, <laughs> but he was like a 98 overall in that game because it was prior. <laughs> they, they do the no ratings prior to the yeah, season. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was super good. And I was like, Oh, and I, I did a, I had a franchise on that where I actually played the entire season because it's a PSP. So you can mm. play like on the go and stuff. So I actually played 162 games <laughs> with the Mets and JJ puts was my closer and he was like a 98. I'm pretty sure I traded him at some point. Cause I, I didn't like how he, how he pitched, but yeah, I, I just have this false memory that, Oh yeah. JJ puts legendary closer for the Mets. Nope. They probably, the Mets fans probably hate him. Oh yeah. <laughs> for sure. yeah i mean let's face it mets fans are so easy to forgive um yeah i, <laughs> I can picture that happening now and how crazy that would be but mm-hmm. i've had a good career i don't know why i was thinking of you know that i mean 20 2007 season i just didn't even think about that I, I we knew sort was of good, experienced but, that with edwin diaz when, yeah. when they first acquired him i mean he was good the first year but that second year he was awful and they were just like this is the worst trade of all time yeah. jared kelnick's going to be a star and it's like uh the narrative has switched back and forth on that trade many times right. yeah yeah after oh and that's have, Marin and that's mariners too mariners yeah, and Mets. yeah yeah let's give myself another name to remember as we play uh some of that new uh games that have been going around so hopefully i remember that if that becomes part of the grid anytime soon but that's gonna do it for this episode of in the pen as always you can find the show on twitter at in the ped pod leave any comments you have any relievers you want to throw in in terms of a name that closer you can dm one of us on twitter and let us know we happy to uh try and include that in this episode going forward but guys as always let's plug where you can find yourselves on twitter and any upcoming work you have going on uh you can find me at i am rick graham on twitter and currently nothing nothing in the pipeline outside of the uh weekly articles i put out yep and you can find me at jake crumpler on twitter all my work is at crumplerbaseball.com uh not putting in any out any special articles this month i'll have more in the deep or uh going deep articles in july but i'll be putting out a lot of really ranks articles i'll be doing the first pitch podcast i'll be doing my personal podcast free baseball and writing at baseball hq but so i'm all over the place yeah, you can find me at Callan underscore Osselager. Outside of his podcast, I don't have too much going on writing or podcasting wise, but I'm hanging out in the Discord as always, chatting it up with everybody, uh, doing some live chats, playing some, playing some games, you know, talking talking baseball as always. So a lot of exciting stuff, and you know, this is the good time of year. We're not yet dog days of summer, but we're getting closer to that. So, like Jake said at the beginning of the show, this is where you know we're getting closer to that point where the more intense you are, the more attentive you are moving forward that's gonna make a major difference so continue to tune in we're gonna have a lot more exciting uh believer talk coming from moving forward so thanks again for tuning in if you have any questions always feel free to hit us up but we'll see you next week on this episode of independent